Greetings. Welcome back to the Cape Lead Revolution. This is Chachi, and uh, I'm really excited to bring you this podcast. And this podcast, by and large, could be a regurgitation of, of ones that I've done separately. But the reason I say this is this is born of a great conversation that I had over lunch uh, with a great friend and a great new friend. So to, to Andy and Scott, thank you for a great lunch. Uh, Andy and Scott are both uh, retired Army lieutenant colonels uh, steeped in special operations and everything that happens there. Um, you know, it's just a gr- great conversation. I'm so thankful for what my inner circle has become because, you know, great people introduce me to even greater people and then even greater people. And just, you know, it just begets great interactions, great fun. And, and for this lunch in particular, just a great exchange of ideas and philosophies. And th- this was super huge. And so Andy really wanted me to talk about Cape and he wanted to talk about my understanding of expectations. And so, so, uh, you know, and Scott and I had a, had a great talk about this. And so he was, he was really intrigued by this concept and this little niche market that I've kind of carved into the leadership uh, domain for understanding expectations and how we talk about them and how we successfully articulate them. Um, it's, it's been a whole lot of fun. And so, so the, the, the thing is this is, you know, whenever I go to speak and talk to people, um, you know, one of the first things that, that I say is, is how many people have, uh, heard the phrase expectation management and, and nearly every hand goes up, right? It's, it's almost in a leadership, uh, centric environment. Most people will have heard, if not use that phrase. And then I ask them how, uh, how many of you understand how important it is to set solid expectations? And again, nearly every hand goes up. And I say, cool, this is awesome. We're off to a good start. I was like, now, who here can specifically define for me what an expectation is? And then there's crickets. And then I, I, I said, so, so we all know it's important to set expectations, but nobody can define what an expectation is? and then more glazed overlooks. And I say, okay, who here can tell me the difference between a hope and assumption and anticipation and an expectation? I was like, cause I, again, I don't believe in synonyms. And again, crickets. And then I finished it off with, okay, how many people here, if you know that expectation management is so important, how many here have been specifically trained on how to manage an expectation? And again, more crickets. And I start nearly every speech and every engagement that I have with people, whether I'm teaching my curriculum or not with with these questions, because it's important for us to understand the words that we're using, because if we're going to use these hollow baseless words and phrases, then, you know, what's the point? And if we don't understand what we're saying, then why would we even say it to begin with? And so we really need to focus on a lot of those things because I, I tell them, I said, when we talk about leadership, we talk about communication. And so often we say that we need to pass information and we need to communicate better, right? But, but we need to get past passing information. We need to start focusing on leading expectations, not managing expectations. Managing seems reactive, right? Leading uh, seems proactive. Moreover, and you know, a dozen different people have said this in a million different ways, is you don't manage people. You have to lead people. You manage processes. So why would I try and manage a leadership function that's going to help me lead people? I can't. I need expectation leadership. Because when we communicate with our teams, regardless of how hard we try to communicate effectively, uh, um, 
it just doesn't happen. Even if we think that we communicate perfectly in each one of those instances, I can all but guarantee you we're not. Why? Because if we're not speaking from a shared and common vernacular that everyone understands equally, then we're allowing ish to creep into our conversations. Here's my example. Is that if I were to give you five words from awesome, spectacular, stupendous, amazing, and terrific, and you were to rank order those from least impactful to most impactful, we are going to have different lists. We're going to have different rank orders for all those different words. Why? Because we value these words differently. We understand them differently. And so if I'm speaking with one word for one end gain or net goal, right? So I I want to say this word for a specific end state, but you value that word differently. I'm never going to get to that end state with you because we don't have this shared and common vernacular and we're not speaking with the right words. And this happens over and over and over again, even if we're having the perfect conversations. But I think all of us understand that perfect conversations don't exist. And then moreover, because we're not focusing on expectations, the convert, the, the air quotes here, good conversations that we think we're having are not good conversations. And the, the best example that I have, and it's, it's really a practical e- example um, that I'll use, it's if I were going to go out you know, for dinner and drinks with friends on a Friday night, and I'm talking to my, my wife about it. Now, this isn't a gender roles type of argument, because quite honestly, this conversation could be reversed, whether, whether I'm going to go out with friends or whether my wife goes out with friends, the conversation is exactly the same. Right, but but let's say that that you listeners are part of this uh, Cape Club, and you're going to come out to Phoenix, Arizona, where I live, and you want to call me up and say, "Hey, Chachi, let's go out for dinner and drinks Friday night." I say, "Cool, that sounds amazing. I can't wait to hang out with with all of you." So what do I do? I go to my wife Allison and say, "Hey, Allie, uh, this Cape Club is coming into Phoenix. Uh, they'll be in town Friday night. They want to grab dinner and drinks. Uh, is it cool if I uh, if I, if I go out and do that?" And she goes. Um, she, she kind of thinks about it for a little bit because I've got a 15-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 1-year-old, and it's a Friday night. She goes, what time are you, uh, what time do you, you think you're coming home? And I say, gosh, I don't know, maybe maybe around, uh, you know, when, when bars close or within an hour after bars close, something like that. She goes, well, um, how about midnight? And I begrudgingly say, oh, okay, midnight's, mid, mid, midnight's good. And that is an average relationshipy type of question that a lot of people have suffered through. And it doesn't have to be dinner and drinking, but I think everyone gets that point, right? So we talk about it. And at face value, it's a good conversation. I have permission to go out. I can be out until midnight. As long as I'm back by midnight, everything's fine. Good conversation. Other than that was a completely BS conversation. We weren't even close to talking about what we think we were talking about. We thought we had it all figured out and we absolutely did not. Because like the first thing is, is why midnight? What was so important about midnight? Because me being home by midnight is completely arbitrary compared to my behavior. I can stay out till four or five in the morning and be totally sober because I'm driving everybody around or I'm taking them from venue to venue, you know, what, what have you, right? And that's fine. Or I could be home at 11 o'clock at night because I drank entirely too much and I'm absolutely wrecked. And that's probably not the end state she wanted. But again, completely arbitrary based on my behavior. 
You know what else we didn't talk about? Why she felt the need to curb my behavior in, in some way, shape, or form. Did she have plans Friday night? Did she have plans Saturday morning or Saturday? Did we have stuff to do with the kids? Did we have stuff to do with family? Did we have stuff to do with friends? I don't know. We never talked about it. This magical midnight showed up for the end-all be-all to help out every situation that we were going to have, but we don't know why. And now I think we're starting to see that the conversation that we thought we had, that we thought was great, was complete BS because we weren't focused on expectations. Now, to my wife's credit, we were stationed in Hawaii. She actually came up with this on her own and used my theories against me, damn it. But I wanted to go out on a Friday or Saturday night with friends or or do whatever. She goes, all right, Tim. She goes, what are my expectations of you Friday night? And that, ladies and gentlemen, stopped me in my tracks. Because that was a phenomenal question because that put the onus on me. Now, it's up to me to be as honest and as accurate as possible for her to realistically gauge whether or not that was going to be okay if I went out on Friday night or not. Was I going to go out for dinner and have a drink and come home? Like dinner, a couple drinks, we're going to go to hit some clubs or, or just different nightcaps, you know, adult entertainment, stuff like that. Not like strip club, right? But like jazz bar, uh, speakeasies, th- th- things of that nature. Or maybe we're, we're really going to push it up and go to the casinos here in Phoenix, right? You know, I, I didn't talk about any of that. I didn't give her any of that information. And perhaps whether I knew it or not, uh, relatively, you know, blah, like it, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter, because, but I didn't put any thought to it. I didn't help her get to the yes by giving her a realistic expectation for what I was going to do that night. So she could quite accurately decide whether it was or wasn't okay. But at the same time, there's the antithesis to that argument as well is if she wants to know what her expectations are of me what are my expectations of her and or the family right if she wants to be back by midnight on friday night why do we have anything going on saturday morning or saturday saturday afternoon anything do we have any kids sporting events do we have you know uh lunch dates or or anything else going on we didn't talk about any of those things because maybe if i knew that maybe i could self-regulate and maybe i could say hey Hey, I can come out. Let's try and make it early. I got to be home by 10 o'clock. So I've got a very early morning on Saturday, but I can't do that if I don't know what the events are or if we don't have anything planned and all I need to do is get the garage and gym cleaned out, you know, by Sunday morning, well, maybe I can do that Saturday night so I can, you know, feel free to stay out as late as I want Friday night, you know, possibly or, and, or realistically. Right. But we never had that conversation. We never talked about what that practically looked like for our understanding of expectations. So to put this all together, this is what the conversation now sounds like between my wife and me. Is I say, hey, Allie, this Cape Club's coming into to Phoenix Friday night. They want me to go out for, for dinner and drinks. What are your expectations of me and us this weekend? That question right there opens it up to the good conversation we always thought we were having. That right there allows us to get everything on the table. Now, and then if something didn't get brought up or something wasn't mentioned, we can have a conversation about that later, but you can't hold me accountable to information that I don't have or information that, that you didn't give me. And that absolutely works uh, for, for Allison as well. I can't hold her accountable to information I didn't give her, right? If, if all of a sudden I stay out till five in the morning and you know, she comes back and I passed out in, in the, the front yard here, 
she's like, I thought you were just going to go out for dinner and drinks. Like, well, the night took a turn and then it morphed into something crazy. Now she has every right to be mad because that wasn't her expectation. Right? It's a completely different conversation rather than, hey, can I I go out with the Cape Club on Friday night versus, hey, I would like to go out with the Cape Club on Friday night. What are your expectations of me and us this weekend? Just the simple focus on expectations toward, you know, as, as opposed to just information changes the dynamic of the conversation greatly. And why do I focus on expectations so much? Because I learned about 10 years ago in the worst personal and professional year of my life that every emotion is based off of an expectation. If we're happy about something, it exceeded our expectations. If we're thrilled about something, it really exceeded our expectations or we had no expectation of it to begin with. And the same thing applies if you're frustrated or furious, something didn't meet your expectation on some level. So when I realized that the understanding of expectations was able to shelp, shape, shelp, right? Shape and help, right? My, uh, my mindset, my peace of mind, my mental health, it helps all of those things because all these emotions are based on expectations. We have expectations of everything and everyone, right? No, no, no matter what happens. But it is the smart and emotionally intelligent human being who can sit back and decipher whether they have an expectation, an anticipation, an assumption, or at very worst, a hope for something to happen. And it's our ability to build this shared and common vernacular and communicate successfully across this expectation spectrum that is going to make our teams that much better. That's going to make our relationships that much better, right? Because here's the deal. I think a lot of people get their understanding of leadership wrong because you're, you're going to come across a million different definitions of what le- leadership is, right? And one of the classes I took for my master's, I said it was like six things, right? This guy, uh, Northhouse, right, who, who wrote this, one of the textbooks for this. And it was phenomenal to where uh, it was an action, it was a mindset, it was an influence process, all of these things, are there, there, there were six of them, forgive me, I don't have it in, in front of me. And I, I think those, those, those were all correct, absolutely all correct. But I think the one thing that everybody is missing is that leadership is a byproduct. It is a byproduct. And more specifically, leadership is a feeling that you can evoke in yourself and in others. Because when you think about it, when you look at at your best or worst leaders, right, all that you can really wrap your mind around is they made you feel some certain way about them, either in awe or in disgust and anything in between, right? We've had these great leaders. We've had these bad leaders who left us with this feeling. In which case, I liken leadership a whole lot to love because it follows the same formula if you if you kind of peel that onion and you kind of walk backwards and figure out how we got there, right? Because both leadership and love are both byproducts. They're byproducts of a connection you have with another human being. But in order to get that connection, you need to have successful interactions. And how are we going to have successful interactions? By communicating inside a dictionary and a communication system that allows us to speak effectively, to communicate effectively. And think about this. If you want to have a relationship with anybody, if you're talking about your significant other, your your spouse, whatever it is, right? The first thing that happened was you had a conversation with them. 
right? And you needed to speak well so they could understand you. So they liked what you had to say. They had, you had to build some interest and, and intrigue, right? So that your ability to communicate there led to good interactions. And all those interactions led to a connection. And then eventually that connection led to love. And the same thing happens in a leadership dynamic. You need to speak well. You need to communicate effectively. And when we communicate effectively, we have successful interactions. When we have more and more successful interactions, we get this connection, a leadership connection with somebody else. And when you connect with somebody on this leadership level, hopefully they will either impart to you or you will impart to them this feeling of leadership that you can evoke in them, right? That's how it goes. That's how we need to understand this because leadership is a byproduct and expectations shape all of our emotions and all these tie together. And it's just, it's just this wonderful 10 years that I've had of studying these words and trying to shape a conversation where I can successfully articulate why we need to focus on expectations and why we need to build a communication infrastructure and this shared and common vernacular that people understand that, that not, not so that we can avoid all the fallacies of the human endeavor and the human dynamic, but just so we can account for it. We can plan accordingly. We'll never be able to eradicate it and I'm not trying to but I'm trying to understand it and I'm trying to do what I can to build a communication infrastructure that allows for the human endeavor, that allows for human nature, that allows for human beings to be human, that allows for you to be perfectly and beautifully and uniquely you, that allows me to be perfectly and beautifully and uniquely me, and yet we can still communicate inside the construct of a communications infrastructure with a shared and common vernacular in a way that focuses on mission accomplishment, that focuses on teamwork, that focuses on mutually assured success. That's what this has been all about. And again, sitting down and talking to Andy and Scott was so much fun. And that's why I love talking about these things because when you peel that onion back and you get to these deeper layers, you realize that so many of the BS words and phrases that we use are just hollow and they're a waste of time that if you sit down and try and pin somebody like, hey, what does that word mean? What does that phrase mean? And they can't do it. Like stop saying BS stuff in front of you. Stop with all the catch words, right? Let's focus on our words. Let's remove some of the ish from our communication and let's focus on what really matters. That's the great part about this. So I appreciate you, you tuning in again and again. I, I, I apologize. This is a, a regurgitation, but I, I haven't talked about this a lot in the past years. And obviously I've, I've taken, you know, the last six months off from doing this, but I hope you got something out of this. And if you have questions, comments, concerns, you want to talk about this, do you agree with me? Perhaps you disagree with me. I want to talk about it. You can call me or text me 602-621-0821. You can leave a message for me on the Cape Lead Facebook page. You can email me chachi at capelead.com. I'm at Instagram at Chachi Pachesa on Twitter at Tim Pachesa. Again, we can't get the conversation right if we're not having the conversations. So reach out, pick up the phone, type something out to me, something. Let's just make sure we're getting the conversations right. And I appreciate your time. This is me reminding you to always educate, anticipate, and dominate. We'll talk to you later, everybody. Cheers.